Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Uh, tonight, um, I want to look in the Bible. I'm actually going to look at just at one uh, passage. I know this past several weeks that I've included a uh, passage list with uh, the uh, prayer sheet. But we're actually tonight. I just want to look at Psalm 95 um, and, and read that entire psalm. You know, we've uh, I've been looking at uh, the names of God and I discussed the holiness of God. But you know, what knowing more about God in that way, what does that stir within us? You know, we don't we don't study these things just so we can win Bible trivia or that we can say, ooh, you know, just for the sake of the knowledge. But what are you going to do with that knowledge? And you know, my prayer is that that knowledge will just make you just so in awe with God and so in love with God that it will just overflow in, in a life of worship and, and just worship and praising God um, at all time. You know, it's easy for us in, in our culture, it just seems to be so easy for us to ooh and ah over celebrities, over entertainers, over musicians, over sports stars, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, LeBron James or whatever, who. You know, name whatever your favorite sports star or whatever might be. Um, but we don't give God that same reverence, that same excitement, that same passion for God, usually. But anyway, boy, we, we run into a, a celebrity or something, we're like, you know, we're, we're just so in awe. When we should be in awe of God, you know, it reminds me of a story I read about this lady who um, went to this ice cream shop in Kansas Kansas City ordered her ice cream cone, turned around, and right behind her, facing her, was Paul Newman, who was in town filming, doing a film. And holy smokes, Paul Newman. I mean, she couldn't, he just smiled at her, and she didn't know what she was doing, and so she just kind of smiled back and, and walked out. Well, you know, she noticed that she didn't have her ice cream cone, so she turned around and was going to go back in, met Paul Newman in, at, at the door of the ice cream shop, and, and Paul was like, uh, are you looking for your ice cream cone? And she couldn't speak. She just kind of nodded. He said, yeah, you put it in your purse with your change. <laughs> because she was just going, oh, Paul Newman. Oh, I mean, Paul Newman is a cool guy. But um, when was the last time you were that in awe of God? And when, where his awesomeness and holiness just, you know, led you to kind of that same reaction. Wow, God. Um, but the more that we learn about God, that should lead us to this praise and this, this worship and, and, and honor. And, you know, when I talk about praise and worship, you know, we usually think, hey, Sundays and Wednesdays in, in the Baptist church. But, I mean, this is an attitude and the lifestyle all the time of just being in awe of God and worshiping Him. And so tonight I'm going to take a very quick look at Psalm 95, uh, talking about worshiping the King. And giving a true heartfelt praise to our great God. So let me just read uh, the entire psalm, uh, Psalm 95. And uh, uh, we don't know who wrote it because it's not labeled, uh, but it, it's a beautiful psalm. And this is what the psalmist wrote. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed 
the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the, the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I just want to quickly look at three, answer three questions about worshiping God. And uh, the first question that I want to answer is, who do we worship? I want us to consider the object of our worship. I mean, obviously, we, we, we talked about him a little bit with the names of God. And last week, I talked about the holiness uh, of God. But what does the psalm tell us about who is this God that we worship? And one of the first things that it mentions is that he is our rock. He is our rock. He is our solid foundation. In verse 1, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That means our God is a solid foundation. He does not move. Um, while our lives are, you know, lives can be filled with strife and there's just a whole lot of back and forth and, and a lot of turbulence and earthquakes, metaphorically, sometimes literally, but metaphorically speaking, you know, there, there's these earthquakes in our, in our lives. He is the solid rock. He does not move. And so this speaks about the fact that our God, he, he is our sufficiency and he is our security. We know that there's a whole lot of uncertainty that goes on in this world, but God is solid. He does not change. We, are, we know that we can come to him and he will be our security. We see this elsewhere in the Psalms. For example, in Psalm uh, 18, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You know, the psalmist there, David, he, he was just like piling on picture after picture of how solid God is and how much of a protection and how much of a security he is in, in our lives. He is our fortress. He's our refuge. He is the rock. He is the foundation. He is everything. He is a stronghold. He also is our sufficiency. We know that in his security, we will receive that which we need, not necessarily what we want, but that which uh, we need. And we worship him for being this rock, this sufficiency, this security. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about, you know, don't worry, exchange your worry for trust in God. We can trust God to, to protect us. We can, in, in the way that he sees fit, God always does things according to his will and in his way and in his timing, but we can trust him to do it. And we're called, according to Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those other things would be added unto him. And so we worship this God. Who is this God that we worship? He is our rock. But not only is he our rock, he is our king. That means he's our sovereign. That means he's in control. It says in verse 3, For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. That means our God is the sovereign ruler over everything, whether it's visible or invisible, all of creation. Creation that we think of as the universe, but then there's the spiritual world um, as well. He is the sovereign over all spiritual creatures. He's a sovereign over all peoples, over all nations, 
overall uh, groups, whatever you, however you might want to uh, categorize it. Uh, he is it, even when when people don't recognize him as God, even when people don't don't worship him as God. Well, guess what? You can't escape God. He is still your sovereign. He is still the king, whether you recognize it or not. Jesus is Lord, whether you recognize it or not. That's why, you know, I kind of be careful how I word things. You know, I don't tell people, make Jesus your Lord. I mean, Jesus is already Lord. If anything, I should, we should be telling people, recognize Jesus as the Lord uh, that he is. Um, King Jehoshaphat, back in his day, recognized God being this great sovereign, this great king. He, he prayed, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. And, and so, yeah, the rest of the world, if they don't recognize God, they are worshiping idols, they're worshiping false gods. Um, but you know what? One day, there's going to come a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he, he is the sovereign. He is the king. You know, that whole idea about king, you know, we're Americans. We, we don't have no king. We don't have no stinking king. We don't need, we don't need a king. Um, but, you know, it's just interesting now. We, uh, I, I guess King Charles's coronation is going to be happening soon. I don't know if a date's been set yet. But, I don't know, they were making this big deal about them, them moving this, this, this crown from its place. Ooh, that means he's being coronated soon. I, I don't know what, what that means. But if tradition holds, so that you know they do, they, they do the whole coronation thing in the church there. But if the tradition holds how they've done it in in the past, the arch, archbishop is going to say to the congregation out there, you know, he'll say, "I present to you King Charles the Third. I think that's the name he's taking, right? King Charles the Third. Will you do him homage?" And so the people, they, they'll, they'll see their new king, their new sovereign, robed, crowned, and enthroned, and they will uh, respond to that question shouting, we will, we will, we will. So they'll say that three times. So that's kind of part of the coronation ceremony there. But in a sense, you know, I kind of see the psalmist doing the same thing here because he is pointing to our king. He's pointing to God. He is pointing... It, you know, he didn't know it at the time, but he was pointing to Christ. And so the psalmist is asking, will you give him the homage that is due him? Will you give him the worship that is due him? Will we say, we will, we will, we will. Worship God. He is our king. He's the king over everything. But not only is he our rock and he is our king, the psalmist also reminds us that he is our creator and sustainer. He says in verses 4 and 5, In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Everything that exists was made through him and for him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And that's the thing, you know, we, we speak of the triune God. I mean, that, that I just quoted from John 1.3 talking about Christ, and, and Paul in Colossians talks about the fact everything was made through Christ and for Christ. So how it all worked between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
they were all present uh, at creation. Um, you know, we learn in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. And the earth was without form, and it was void, and there was darkness over the face of the deep, uh, or the abyss, depending on your translation. And the spirit, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said the word. There was the word. So you have God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Word. God the Son, Jesus Christ, all part of creation. And he made everything. Unlike what some people think, especially the deists, God didn't create the universe, wind it up, and then just let it go and say, okay, you're on your own now. We'll see you later. And, and have nothing to do with us. He not only just creates, but he also sustains. He, he maintains everything in his hand. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 40, verse 12, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who? The only answer is God. I mean, God doesn't. God is spirit. He doesn't have a literal hand. But yet we use that met metaphor. We use that picture. God has everything in his hand. I mean, the entire universe, the entire spiritual realm, everything is in his hand. You know, a, a little while back, they, they had sent out that, that new telescope. I forget the name of the telescope. What's the name of that telescope? James Webb. Yeah, the James Webb Telescope. Bringing back some of the most amazing pictures of the universe that has ever been. And... We're all, and even it is only sees this little, little tiny, little corner of the entire universe. I mean, there's hundreds of galaxies all right there in this picture. Yeah, those are just hundreds of galaxies out of billions of galaxies, and God has the entire universe in His hand. Now, if God has the entire universe in His hand, what does that mean about us? Guess what? He has us in his hand as well. If he's able to sustain the universe, he's able to sustain us and our lives as well. But not only is he creator and sustainer, he is also the shepherd. Verse 7 says, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. I mean, it makes us think about Psalm 23, 1 from David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are sheep. Sheep are the most intelligent creatures in the world. But it's a picture of God taking care, God having intimacy, God having relationship, God caring for us. It's a picture of his tender care for his own. And so that means God loves you if you are his child. If you are his child through Jesus Christ, God loves you. He wants to relate with you, He and he does care for you. So what a God that we worship. I mean, he's a rock. He's a king. He's a creator. He's a sustainer. He is a shepherd. But that leads to the next question. The third question is real short, so don't think this is going to take forever. But the second question is, how do we worship? So who do we worship? We worship the rock, the king, the creator, the sustainer, the shepherd. But how do we worship? Well, first, we worship with enthusiasm. In verse 1, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I mean, when it's talking about joyful noise, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we joke around about those of us who can't sing, we're making a joyful noise. But it's really talking about 
um, just a, a cry of celebration, a cry of jubilation. It means to praise God with rejoicing and exaltation, raising a shout of triumph. It's a picture of a celebration, which is what worship is. God is to be celebrated. We are celebrating that God loves us enough that he sent his only son to die for our sins, to save our souls. I mean, that's the greatest triumph that there is. That is, it, 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 there, God is to be, God is to be worshipped with enthusiasm. Now, you know, I know, especially since we're Baptists, you know, we, we, we don't usually do the hand clapping, you know, you know, everyone has different personalities. And, and so people show enthusiasm in, in different ways, but, you know, at least in our heart, you got to have a little bit of um, enthusiasm, you know, we, it's okay, you know, don't. For those who raise hands, don't judge those who don't raise hands. And for those who don't raise hands, don't judge those who do raise hands. Whatever. Lift holy hands if you want. Don't if, if you don't want. But at least be enthusiastic in, in the heart. Because, you know, we, we get excited about sporting events. We get excited at concerts. We get excited at movies or, or whatever. Are we going to get as excited about God? Are we going to... We're, we're called to... To, to worship with enthusiasm, like, yeah, I want to worship God. He's a great God. He's done wonderful things. Yeah, but you know, but mess with mess with us Baptists, we're like, you know, stand stand there, just kind of staring at Brian. Okay, when when's this going to be over with? And then, yeah, enthusiasm, smile. Be joyful. God is God. God's on the throne. That's something to celebrate. We have a Savior. So we, we, we worship with enthusiasm. Secondly, we worship with thanksgiving. Verse 2 says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of, of praise. So when we show God his worth through worship, we, include, we, we express our gratitude, our gratitude for who he is, our gratitude for what he has done. Uh, in our lives, not the least of which, obviously, is the salvation that is found through Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, everyone goes through hard times. Everyone has issues. Everyone has things that are, are going on. And yet, you know, don't ever let that steal away from you remembering what it is that God has done in your life. <coughs> yeah, okay, these bad things are, are happening over here, but God has been faithful in many other ways and God has blessed me in this way and I've seen God work in this particular way. You know, we can't ever forget who God is and what he has done for us. I mean, this God of the universe cares for us as individuals. I mean, we're not just... That's the amazing thing about that whole picture about sheep. I don't know about you, but to me, one sheep looks the same as the other one. You know, I wonder, I, I see sheep. Well, there's a sheep. Well, there's another sheep. They look the same to me. I, I don't say, hey, there's Bob, there's Larry, you know, there's Mo, there's Curly, whatever, with, with the sheep. I can't tell one. You know, they, they go into a group, and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know which one's Mo, Larry, Curly, or Shemp. I, I don't know. God, God, you know. You would, and so then here's humanity. I mean, there's 8 billion of us now. You would think, you know, in God's eyes, him, him being such a big God, it's like, eh, there's a human, there's another human, and there's another human. No, he knows us individually. He knows us by name. He knows us better than we know ourselves. 
and he cares for us and he loves us. And so we have a lot to be thankful for. You know, we, we, I think about it when my kids were younger. Well, I mean, you know, I got a teenager and now a 21 year old, but you know, when, when they would just show no gratitude for what's going on and you just, you might not say it out loud, but by golly, you're thinking of a, you, you ungrateful little brat, just, you know, whatever, something like that. You know, you would think we've given God many a time to think that about us, but he doesn't, but that should, you know, we, we, we just got to check our attitude. How often do we grumble and we complain? And we completely forget everything that God ha has done for us. And so we worship with thanksgiving. We're appreciative for who God is, what he has done. You know, we remember the song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. You have a whole lot of them. Not only uh, do we worship with enthusiasm and thanksgiving, we worship with submission and humility. It says in verse six, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, um, our maker. Uh, so you, you see this, it, it, there's three words here about bowing down to God, which is a sign of submission. I mean, it says to let us worship. And that word literally means to prostrate yourself in submission before a superior. And, and then it says to bow down. Well, you know, that's kind of obvious and kneel down. You're, you're, you're kneeling down. Remember before I mentioned that every knee is going to bow before Christ. That means every one will eventually uh, recognize Jesus Christ as Lord, just for some of them, it'll be too late because they didn't do it while they were alive. But we do it willingly. Well, we this, that's part of worship. We submit ourselves to him. While, you know, it, it's not just talking about a physical posture here. It's talking about a heart attitude, a heart posture. We willfully submit to God. We willfully submit to Christ and whatever his will is, whatever his plans are, not my will, but your will be done. There's no, there's no room for pride. There's no room for self. Well, there's no room for self. Self-advancement, self-centeredness, self, whatever you want to follow the hyphen with. Just like there's no I in team, there's no me in worship, right? So our heart, our heart attitude is one of obedience, one of surrender, one of meekness. And so who is the God that, that we worship? I mean, he is the rock. He is the king. He's the creator, sustainer, shepherd. How do we worship him? We worship him with enthusiasm. We worship him with thanksgiving. We worship him with submission and, and, and humility. And then very quickly, when, when do we worship? When do we worship? Well, the obvious answer is all the time. You don't need to be in church to worship, although corporate worship is an important part of our growth as well as our encouragement. Um, I was rereading Hebrews 10 today as part of the, my reading plan, the reading plan we're doing. And, you know, talks about don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. And um, we're, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, all that's talking about is the encouragement that you get. You need it. In the world that we live in, we need to have encouragement from, from one another. And that's why we, we gather together. While... Facebook Live streaming is a good thing. It was a great thing during COVID. It's a good thing for those who are sick or are unable to come or whatever. But, you know, streaming should never be the end-all, be-all. I'll just do that and not go to church. You're not going to get encouraged that way. 
encouragement is so important. But anyway, you know, you worship all the time. You don't have to just worship during the church times. Um, in verses 8 through 11 in the psalm, the psalmist uh, was recalling the Israelites and their rebellion after Exodus. You know, before they went into the promised land, um, you know, I... You know, God here is speaking in the psalm and in verse 10, it, it, it just kind of struck me. He goes, I loathed you. I loathe this generation for four years. Ooh, that, sound, that sounds rough. But here's these people whining, complaining, rebelling constantly against God, even after they saw everything that God did. They saw God open up the Red Sea. You know, that's not something you see every day. The Red Sea just kind of, you and your people going through all of a sudden, here come the Egyptians, and psh, there, goes, there goes the water, back on top of them. That's not something you see every day. Right there, you would think that they would think, this is not a God to mess with. This is not a God to trifle with. But no, what do they do? The whole way from, from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. Constant complaining. Then God gives a manna from heaven. Holy cow, he, literal bread from heaven. Wow. And what do they do? You know, just constant complaining all the time. They had every opportunity to worship. Wow, I got more manna today. Praise God. He saved us from the Egyptians. Praise God. Water comes from a rock. Praise God. You know, we look at our lives. We have, you know, we find ways and reasons to, to, to praise God and, and to worship him. I got up this morning. Praise God. I actually was able to get out of bed. Maybe with a little difficulty, but I got out of bed. Praise God. My car worked today. Praise God. You know, find all these different reasons um, uh, to praise God. Um, and we, we just can't be so blind to so that we miss the these opportunities. Even going through trials and tribulations. You know what? I, I'm going through this trial and going through this tribulation, but God is still on his throne and he's going to see me through this. And God's word gives me these promises that for those who love God and were called according to his purpose, he's going to work everything together for good. I don't know what in the world that good is going to be necessarily. And I don't know if that good is even going to come about in my lifetime, but God's word has these promises. Praise God. Worship God. So find ways to praise God in your work, in your car, in, at school, or you know, wherever you happen to be, at the store. Never pass up opportunities um, to worship God and give Him that which He is due. Give Him praise, give Him worship, and uh, honor Him. Um, give, him give Him authentic, something authentic you know, don't just go through the motions. You know, and you know, people praise God, worship God. And you know, we think of worship as, as just singing sometimes, but worship is is so much more than singing. It could be an attitude, it could be a lifestyle, it could be a prayer, it could just be a phrase that we utter uh, that comes out of our mouth. Um, it, it doesn't. It isn't always just music. You know, when we think of of worship. I mean, I, I worship God when, when I'm reading. You know, I'm reading my Bible and theological stuff. 
yeah, just just for my own edification. I mean, yeah, you know, I read it because I'm a pastor. Y'all kind of expect me to read my Bible and, you know, read and study other stuff too, right? So, but you know what, that's, I, I love doing that. And so when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm worshiping. I mean, that's my, that's my worship. I mean, yeah, I'll listen to, you know, Christian music and worship music here and there, but that, that isn't, my, my expression of worship is learning about God and being, and just whatever I'm reading, praising God and just lifting up a prayer to him. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Trish, my wife, she, oh, she loves worship music and, and uh, she'll, she'll be playing that. That That's her thing. You know, she'll, she'll, any, any opportunity she finds, you know, she'll, she'll play some worship music and things like that. Yet there's so many different ways that we can worship as long as let it be authentic. Let it be from the heart. Let it be reflective of his worth because he uh, is worthy. And so our great God, he desires and he deserves an enthusiastic, grateful, submissive worship all, all the time. So let's give him what he deserves and what he wants. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.